Welcome to VR in Education. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of VR in Education. So in today's episode, we get to talk to Amrutha, who is the co-founder and COO of InSpirit Learning. InSpirit Learning aims to bring curiosity and critical thinking to STEM training. They're an immersive educational platform that's creating really transformative STEM labs and simulations. So welcome to the show, Amrutha. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. I always start with this question because it's, uh, I'm, of course, it's beneficial to audiences, but also for me personally, and that is, how did you get involved in VR? That's a great question. So I actually ran into my co-founder, Aditya, my senior year of college, and I was just looking for something to do, to be completely honest. And that's when he told me that he had been doing um, a lot of research in virtual reality in education. And I'm personally a huge believer in education more than anything else. And I love the idea of working with students and schools. And at the time, this wasn't really a company. So we were just trying to see how virtual reality could be incorporated in schools. Um, and I just loved the idea and I loved the idea of bringing a new method of learning. And so I would say that I came into virtual reality through the education piece versus the technology side. I know your co-founder has parents who are educators. Sometimes people get involved in education either because education was hard for them and they want to really make a difference or mm -hmm. maybe because it's in the family tree. How about you? What, where do you sit on the education front? Yeah, so my um, parents are not educators, but my parents are highly educated. Um, my mom is a chartered accountant and my dad's a doctor, which just meant that they obviously went through a lot of years of schooling. Um, so education's always been a really big part of our family. And um, yeah, I just think it's so important because everyone from my grandmother, who's actually a doctor, and she's one of the very few in that generation that got the opportunity to study. Um, and just the amount of equality that she has with my grandfather. Um, education was just always really big. And I feel like because me and my sister were girls, we were pushed even harder um, because we were told that we had to get a solid education to make an impact. So interesting. So tell us a little bit more about InSpirit Learning and what you do and what some of the um, strategic plan is for the company? Yeah, so we are um, currently creating a hardware agnostic platform, and we are trying to bring virtual labs to the classroom and to the home. And so what we're trying to do through this is to bridge the gap in STEM education. So at InSpirit, we try really, really hard to only bring experiences that are either dangerous expensive or completely impossible to do in today's world. And we try to bring those experiences to students using virtual reality. 
Um, so STEM is a subject that you need to learn by doing. It's not really a subject that students can pick up intuitively. Um, what we see is a lot of students tend to lose interest. Um, a lot of students drop out of STEM classes just because they find it really difficult or really hard to understand. And that's not necessarily because STEM is a difficult subject. It's just because STEM isn't being taught in the right way. And so at InSpirit, we are trying our best to kind of bridge that gap by um, creating this platform and by creating virtual labs, providing worksheets. Um, we come from Georgia Tech and from Stanford Research. And so we try to align with um, the pedagogy research that we do and all the curriculums that we've seen um, being integrated at Stanford as well. I love that you mentioned uh, Bridge the Gap. I've been a science teacher myself for many years before moving into design. And one thing I remember was the inception of the acronym STEM mm -hmm. and how it was rolled out with the auspice that we need to align these subjects, science, technology, engineering, and math, so that discovery and the enhancement of curiosity was at the forefront. But what I'm seeing these days is people using the term STEM where there is no exploratory discovery happening. It's simply that they're trying to jump on the STEM bandwagon. So I'm so thankful that uh, you use terms like, you know, inquiring and discovering, because I think that's what STEM is really about. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. And I mean, honestly, what we've seen is when we've done some testing with our product, students that are great at STEM are going to be great at STEM no matter what you give them, right? The students that are probably at the top of their class, they get that intuitive understanding of STEM. But you really want to help the students that can't get that intuitive understanding. And that's kind of where we see our platform coming in. So it just it's helping those students get an understanding and kind of build that love towards STEM from a young age. So there are lots of non-VR STEM applications out there. One I remember using a lot as a science teacher was a, a website called explorelearning.com where mm -hmm. they had wonderful simulations. Students could manipulate various variables and see in a 2D format what was going on, possibly collect data, answer questions. How do you see VR enhancing the simulations and then, of course, improving the bridge the gap phenomenon? Mm -hmm. So I guess one question um, that I might pose to you, actually, is do you think that you could replace um, you know, a chemistry lab or a biology lab with 2D simulations or with any existing ed tech in the market today, non-VR tech? Hmm. Well, you're, you're preaching to the choir in that um, I've spent a lot of time in VR and one reason why I do this podcast as well as um, evangelize VR is that when you put a headset on, which is my origin story, there is this sense of, well, the term they use in the industry is presence, which mm -hmm. means it is so realistic that your brain and parts of your brain tend to remember it more when you're engaged or, again, to, to coin a term, immersed in what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I think 
for me, that's what makes VR so magical is the headset and the experience make it something so realistic that a 2D screen could never do that. Exactly. And that is um, exactly why virtual reality, when used in the right way, um, is probably the best tool to teach STEM education. But we don't say that you need to replace everything with virtual reality necessarily, but those things where you really need that presence and you really need to actually try it out to understand, that's where you want to use virtual reality versus a 2D simulation. And I love, you know, having looked at some of the stuff that you have online on YouTube, I love that you're trying to focus on, as you talked about, engagement and not necessarily a passive 360 degree video experience. Because again, you know, there's merit to all sorts of different types of VR, but one might argue that when students, whether it's in a physical environment in the classroom or in your case in VR, when they get to use their hands and have to explore and move around and possibly um, be stimulated by sound or haptics, which is buzzing of the uh, controllers, they tend to lean in more. Oh, definitely. I mean, video games have been doing this for years now, right? (laughs) Unfortunately, education just doesn't get the same amount of attention as video games do. Um, but it's it's so easy to capture the students' attention. I did a pilot earlier this year with sixth graders, and we were showing them modules on RNA translation and RNA transcription, things that you probably don't learn about until you're in 11th or 12th grade in high school. And these kids picked it up. I mean, they actually picked up every step in translation and transcription because they were so engaged with what, with what they were doing. And not only that, as you said, being able to see that happening on a micro level is not something really possible in a textbook. You know, a textbook offers a 2D image or picture, but being able to walk around the RNA and and watch what's happening with the protein molecules Mm -hmm. through transcription is just so powerful. Oh, it definitely is. And and I remember my, so I actually specifically picked transcription and translation as two of the first modules I wanted to make, because I remember my biology teacher just struggling to teach us that portion of the textbook, just because um, it was very hard for her to explain how the protein was wrapping around different things, how the enzymes interacted with each other. It was a very procedural Part of the textbook. And I guess anything that's very procedural is great to teach in VR. So you have a variety of STEM simulations and applications. Are there some topics that are more challenging to create these engaging immersive experiences than others? That's a great question. Um, so right now, I would actually say that math is one of the hardest subjects to bring into virtual reality. And it's not because you can't create a virtual reality experience for math. It's because it's very hard to create a great experience that needs to be done in virtual reality. 
So you hear a lot of teachers talking about making 3D graphs and 3D um, objects for math or teaching fractions in VR. And the art, I think it's very difficult for us to understand as a company which direction we want to go in. So right now we're actually directing a lot of our resources into understanding what the best way to bring math into VR would be. Because you don't necessarily want to be teaching students integration in virtual reality um, because they would just get confused if that was the first thing they looked at. So you have to start them off on something easier until you bring them into the complete theoretical portion of mathematics. Not only that, but I think, you know, it takes a special person to find real world applications mm -hmm. for math simulations. And you, you alluded to some of Jeremy Balinson's sort of credos, which is, you know, using virtual reality uh, only when necessary. So to do things that are dangerous that you couldn't do in the real world uh, and so on. Well, I believe that, you know, if we're going to get schools to buy VR headsets, which are still relatively expensive, mm -hmm. then we want to make sure that students and teachers are using them for something that they couldn't do with a textbook or a 2D computer screen and making it mm -hmm. real world or having a real world application would be one of those experiences. And for many math teachers, uh, thinking of these real world experiences isn't easy because it takes creativity and innovation to do that. Oh, definitely. But, but there are so many real world applications of math. It just, since math is such a pure subject, it ends up getting translated into physics, into chemistry, into biology, but it's very hard to take pure math and stick it into virtual reality. Well said, I would agree fully. So <laughs> um, let's talk about education in general for a minute, because it is, uh, this is my 27th year teaching and I've seen quite an evolution from the early 90s to now in regards to what schools are really focusing in on. Mm -hmm. And there has been, albeit, a slow shift. There has been a wonderful shift towards, you know, we might coin the term deep learning or inquiry. And then more importantly, realizing that learning happens best and is way more memorable if it's connected to big ideas. We call these concepts. Mm -hmm. And more and more schools are focusing on this. Like, you know, how do we, in the case of STEM, get kids to be systems thinkers? Or how do we get them to see the connections between, you know, minute facts? What's, what's your thoughts and feelings about this, either as a student when you were going through all your schooling or maybe right now as you connect with schools and uh, promote your product? Yeah, so I guess I can speak to it a little bit um, in my schooling. So I actually... Uh, grew up in the U.S. until I was 10 years old, so until the fourth grade, and then I moved to India, and I did middle school and high school there before moving back to the U.S. for college, so I've kind of had a taste of both education systems, um, and it's very, very interesting because 
um, places like Asia, Asia in general tends to focus on STEM. Um, and I'm sure you know about this being in Singapore, um, but there's a very heavy focus on STEM education. And um, you learn everything um, that you would have learned in your undergrad in the US before you finish the 12th grade in Asia. But the way that you learn things is so different because when they say they're going to teach you integration, they throw a thousand problems at you. So by the end of it, you know how to solve any problem that's given to you, but you haven't intuitively understood what integration means. The same goes for physics or for chemistry. You can probably derive most of the formulas, but you don't intuitively understand how things are working and you don't really know how to apply things. Um, and that's something I would say is a flaw in the education system. That being said, um, when students get older and then when they're trying to go out and find jobs, either in engineering or in research or um, other types of STEM fields, students struggle to apply what they've learned because they've always been taught to memorize and they've always been taught to study for an exam and get the best marks that they could, the best grades they could possibly get. But they're not taught to understand things because right now every single student is basically a grade at the end of the day, whether you're trying to get into college, whether you're trying to get into a program of your choice, you're just trying to get the best grade, not necessarily learn um, the material or understand the material. And so while I do think that it's commendable that most educational institutions are trying to move towards a system where students are understanding concepts and they're understanding things in an interdisciplinary manner, um, I think the unfortunate truth, whether it was during my time in school or current time, is that grades still matter a lot because at the end of the day, that's what's going to affect the student's life. Um, and until that education system as a whole changes, I'm not sure how much emphasis the average school is going to put on systems thinking. Granted, there are always new age schools. There are always very well-funded schools that are always looking into this. And this tends to happen um, for students that are privileged, students that aren't necessarily worried about getting um, a job to put food on the table. Um, but it's really hard for students that don't have those opportunities and that are just trying to make the best grades so that they can move up in economic class. I, I was on a conference call with, uh, this was months ago, with um, a huge school division. And one of their questions for me as a consultant was, okay, you know, tell us more about VR and how it's going to improve, <laughs> I giggle now, our test scores. And so my inside voice right away instinctively says, VR is not meant to help you improve your test scores. Mm -hmm. VR is, as you alluded to, something that's gonna help students wrap their head around deep learning, become more passionate about seeing the big picture and so on. So I love what you said there. You know, there's a great study uh, out of the PISA testing. These are the international tests that they give kids, I think in, mostly in grade nine. And Japan, has always done so well in math on the PISA test. And so someone did uh, a, a deep dive into why that was happening. And they realized that Japanese students, as you alluded to, don't do 
a plethora of questions that repeat and force them to do the same type of problem over and over again. They're only given a select few math problems. And then the rest of the time, they spend exploring ideas, you know, working on more challenging problems, finding problems that they personally have agency over. And so, yes, yes, I agree with you on everything you said about education. Yeah, it's it's an it's an unfortunate truth, um, but unfortunately, STEM education isn't um, as equal. And we actually started. I guess I never mentioned this in our origin story, but we started in spirit and looking at virtual reality and education as an NGO. We actually never thought of making it a startup in the first place because um, we thought virtual reality could replace a bad teacher. And um, we did this in the slums in Mumbai. But we realized that virtual reality can't replace a bad teacher. You still need a good teacher. It's just an aid um, to help you understand the things that your teacher can't teach you using a textbook or a chalkboard. And we ended up um, going the startup route just because virtual reality is such an expensive process that running it as an NGO just wouldn't have been feasible. I know that teachers want to put headsets on students and then let the magic happen. But like you said, there has to be a before mm -hmm. and an after conversation, which requires a good teacher to sort of make sense of what just happened for them inside the VR world. Mm -hmm. Especially because a student um, shouldn't be in the headset for more than 20 minutes. And so it's yes. not good for their health. And so what yes. are you supposed to do? for the rest of their class. Even just having gone through three months myself teaching uh, remotely due to COVID-19 and mm -hmm. sitting for, it would have been about four hours on Zoom calls with my various classes mm -hmm. was mentally straining. Like I would finish the day thinking, well, I am so tired. And, and, you know, there's merit to the fact that there's only so much digital screen exposure that the the mind can handle mm -hmm. and thank you for for teaching your i mean thank you for your service yeah um let's shift to long-term goals for in spirit what's what's your hope i know you're getting close to a launch here maybe talk a bit about that yeah so we are actually launching our platform on august 1st this year um, we're really excited. So we'll be launching virtual labs in biology, physics, and chemistry um, across multiple devices. So you can access our platform on the HTC Vive, the Oculus Quest. And then we've also built in a 2D VR version for PCs, Macs, and Windows, um, just in case um, people don't want to buy the virtual reality hardware, which we understand. Um, we're actually, we actually have pre-order sales going on right now where we're offering our platform for 50% off. So it's actually only $5 a month now and you'll have access to everything. It's kind of like a Netflix type subscription. Um, we put up sample worksheets, we put up sample lesson plans. Um, so you'll have sample experiments to go through. And then obviously you have access to all of our modules and your subscription will give you access to whatever device you happen to have. Um, and if you're a school or a tutor or tutoring center, um, we also have a teacher dashboard side, which will let you actually customize all the worksheets for your students. 
And that way you can personalize learning and then give your students assignments, track their progress and all of that on your learning management system side. What a great idea to offer such flexibility. Again, um, I have VR at home here. And when I was teaching remotely to my various science and design classes, uh, there was a a platform called Spaces. And Spaces allows me to be as an avatar in VR. But the beauty of Spaces was that if students weren't able to join me in VR, they could at least still engage or watch using Zoom or Google Meets. And so I love the... uh, you know, the flexibility that you're offering students and schools in regards to your product. Yeah, that's our hope. We've we've also seen some teachers that have VR headsets just use some of our modules or our platform and just like show it to their students over Zoom. And they give their students the worksheet and ask their students to kind of walk them through it as they're doing it, just for a change of pace thing from the monotony of online classes. Mm-hmm. Amrutha, is there anything else that uh, we haven't really talked about that you think uh, listeners might t- enjoy hearing about? I think you asked me almost everything, Craig. <laughs> you touched upon everything. Yeah, you were uh, you were fantastic. How could people get a hold of you or your company if they want to learn more about your product? Yeah, so um, feel free to find us on our website. It's inspiritbr.com. And if you just send us any of your questions on our contact form, either I or Aditya will get back to you directly. Awesome. I was curious and I thought maybe you would bring it up, but if you didn't, I was going to ask you. And that is, how did you come up with the great name for the company? In Spirit? Yeah. (laughs) We came up with it a very long time ago, actually, while we were in college. Um, in spirit is, it means exactly what it sounds like. It's the idea of taking you somewhere in spirit and hoping that you can have all these experiences while you're in your spirit form. Mm, I love that. So very creative. (laughs) Well, thanks again. If you hold on for a minute after uh, I finish here, we can debrief and, uh, and so on. So, Thanks so much for uh, spending some time talking about VR with me. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Bye for now. Goodbye.